0: Since the military coup in Fiji earlier this year, anyone speaking out against the interim government or reporting a story that could be interpreted as negative faces the threat of detention and deportation. Already, journalists, publishers and even academics have been expelled, the most recent being historian Professor Brijlal. The overt censorship means there are daily challenges in trying to broadcast or publish stories. But it's not just in Fiji, where media practitioners in the Pacific face huge barriers and opposition. Sarah Voitalitu from Radio New Zealand International reports. Media freedom, taken for granted in many Western countries, is often a daily challenge in the Pacific region. Many journalists, editors and publishers are often under threat if they report things that reveal a lack of transparency, a lack of accountability, corruption or criticism of the public and private sector. In Fiji, the assault on the freedom of the press is continuing. Last night, a journalist with the web-based news service Fiji Live was detained by police. Kawaendamu was questioned about an article... Which a split has emerged in the Media
1: Association of Vanuatu over its approach to an assault on the Daily Post publisher, Mark Neil jones A journalist says he and three colleagues were accosted by soldiers as violence broke out around the main military base in Papua. The local man says Russell
2: Hunter, who is an Australian citizen, was flown to Sydney after being declared a prohibited immigrant who posed a risk to Fiji's security. This came after his paper, The Fiji Sun, carried stories about the tax affairs of the interim finance minister Mahendra Chowdhury, and other reports
0: on the. Even interviewees ministry. aren't exempt. This month, the Fiji-born historian Dr. Bridgelal, was put in a cell, verbally assaulted, then released and told to leave Fiji within 24 hours. He was told it was over comments made to the media, the latest about the expulsion of New Zealand and Australian diplomats from Fiji.
3: I was told in no certain terms that what I had been saying for the last two or three years was simply unacceptable and that I failed to understand that the military was firmly in control uh, of the situation in Fiji. That was an accomplished fact, and uh, if I had anything to say, that I should say it to the military directly rather than speak about it in my writings or in the media.
0: Reporters often face barriers and opposition to their gathering of information on which to base their stories. This is especially so in isolated but tight-knit island communities which boast strong cultural ties, traditions and political influences. The Western concept of media freedom can seem a long way from these small villages where the news is still received on a scratchy AM radio, if at all. But the concept is considered important by many who see media freedom as a fundamental principle of free speech and democracy, and integral to advancing good governance among the region's developing countries. There are few places in the region where media freedom can be taken for granted. This is Monica Miller, who reads Breakfast News bulletins in American Samoa.
4: Government agencies and community groups providing services for victims of
0: the Journalist, News Director and Newsreader is also the co-chair for the Pacific Freedom Forum, or PFF, a recently formed group committed to fighting infringements on media freedom in the region. It is younger and more outspoken than the Fiji-based media advocacy organisation, the Pacific Islands News Association, or PINA, which is supposed to promote media freedom as one of its objectives. Monica Miller says that getting involved with the PFF came about when nobody seemed to be vocal about the injustices and human rights abuses happening to some journalists who were just trying to do their job.
4: It was set up as an informal exchange network, if you will, among journalists to discuss issues that were happening and that affects journalists and how we cover issues. But at the same time, there were incidents that were happening in Fiji and other Pacific Islands. And the main organization of the media here in the Pacific, Pacific Islands News Association, was not as vocal as it was in the past. I mean, I was president of PINA for seven years, and media freedom was a top priority of the organization. So we felt that uh, we needed to make our voices heard and and take a stand and point out these infractions on the media's ability to do its work and, uh, and how that impacts on people's ability to get information that they have a right to know.
0: She says PFF has issued statements strongly condemning actions that have seen many publishers and journalists beaten and expelled from the Pacific region.
4: This year there's been a lot of cases, and particularly in Fiji, it's a warring situation. There's a bit of self-censorship now going on in societies like Fiji, and I hope that that's no longer going to be the case in five years' time.
0: The Eurocentric view of media freedom is that it provides a vehicle for people's free speech, and that the media gathers and publishes information in the public interest. But in a nation like Fiji, it is not a reality.
1: Public Emergency Regulations 2009, published Friday 10th April 2009, Control of Broadcast and Publications, Section 16.1, and I quote, Where the
0: the Outlets section- and staff have been forced to comply with the Public Emergency Regulations or PER or face the threat of closure or being detained by the authorities if they do not. Sophie Foster writes for the Fiji Times newspaper, which has just celebrated its 140th anniversary. It has been the most vocal media organisation against censorship. Addressing this year's Pena biannual meeting in July, she described in detail what happened to the newspaper straight after the PER came into force this year.
1: They tell us that they must see all stories that we develop and that they will decide which of them are contrary to the PER and therefore banned from publication. The next day, the Sunday Times ran with large blank spaces where stories, letters and a cartoon should have been. These are stories, letters and a cartoon that the censors banned us from publishing, including feedback from all sections of the community to the abrogation of the Constitution and the court judgment issued just days before that had ruled the interim government installed before December 2006 was illegal. These stories included concerns about the country effectively moving into its fifth coup and fears over what the damage would do to the country and Fiji's people. By Sunday, we were told that running blank spaces was also considered a breach of the PER. Effectively, what they wanted us to do was only run those stories that showed the regime in a positive light.
0: She says the newspaper was warned not to destabilise the country, not with guns, but with words, or it would be shut down and censors acted vigilantly.
1: The point is that we don't know from day to day what exactly is not allowed. Our managing director, Anne Fussell has written two emails to the Ministry of Information seeking clarification. Our editor-in-chief, Natani Rika, has written three letters. All have so far gone unanswered. The only response is silence.
0: VG Times editor Natani Rika has also experienced firsthand the perils of working under censorship, and won this year's Pena Media Freedom Award in the Pacific region to much applause.
5: It is our duty as journalists to carry the messages of all communities, religious, social and political groups. We must do so with responsibility, dignity and respect. The messages in Fiji may not have been shot literally, but they have been arrested, detained, abused verbally and physically, and most recently they have been gagged by the authorities. We have been criticised, threatened and abused by every Fiji government in the last 140 years. 139 for those who wish to be pedantic. I do not expect that the future will be any different, for not everyone is always happy with the message we carry. Unfortunately, in Fiji and the Pacific, the message carried by the media is often only acceptable to the authorities when it is what they want to hear.
0: When I travelled to Fiji... The only articles in local newspapers were mainly good news stories and stories about non-controversial issues. But outside of Fiji, the headlines this year have been very different. Although even foreigners face the risk of having the authorities take action against them. The Australian publisher of the Fiji Times has arrived back in Sydney after being deported this morning. Rex Gardner is believed to have been expelled because the paper published a letter to The criminal Australian criminal publisher no of a
5: Fijian the... daily newspaper says his deportation from the country is an assault on freedom of the press in Fiji. Russell Hunter, who's publisher of the Fiji Sun newspaper, was escorted the from Barbara his home... Barbara or... has
1: arrived back in New Zealand after being deported from Fiji
0: this morning. Australian and long-time resident in Fiji, Russell Hunter, was the former publisher of the Fiji Sun newspaper before he was sent packing this year. Now employed at the Samoa Observer newspaper, he says he feared for his life in Fiji. He says Fiji is a tough place to work in, with no media freedom there.
5: They have government censors or even soldiers in every newspaper. I mean, good luck to them if, if they can make sense of what's going on in the newsroom they well they can do better than me. <laughs> but your heart goes out to those journalists in Fiji. they work very hard and they're very dedicated and it must be just awful for them to endure this. Fiji is a small place, so everybody knows what's going on anyway they I mean, they're serving no purpose by gagging the media in fact, they it'll, be counterproductive because the rumours are flying, you could imagine. They, they, they should be letting the media do its job of informing impartially. And I think that would do them more good. What they're doing now, in my view, is doing the government a lot of harm.
0: But the military authority in Fiji defends the censorship, saying it's only temporary to ensure stability. A vocal figure in the regime, Lance Corporal Tale Tora, speaking at this year's Pena meeting, justified the PER, saying media freedom is not an absolute right.
6: Government believes in media freedom and freedom of expression. We recognize that these are fundamental principles of true democracy.
7: Government also believes that media freedom is not an absolute right, and that the media must exercise this freedom and right to express itself with greater
1: responsibility because it influences the public's perception.
0: In Samoa, there is no overt censorship of the media, but there are still challenges.
2: About 20 years ago, there was no freedom.
0: Sanomalifa Malifa is the editor-in-chief of the Samoa Observer newspaper and has worked in Apia for over 30 years. There has been significant progress towards media freedom in Samoa in the last decade or so, with the government more open to media coverage.
2: It was very, very hard for the media to operate. I mean, no, no, let me, let me rephrase that. Very hard for the private media to operate in Samoa in those days. The government media, the TV, radio, and Savali, well, they had a field day because, you know, they, 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 there was no restrictions. But the private media, you now, it was really hard. Really hard for. But now, you know, all that has changed. We don't hear any, any more strong objection by the government to what's being published.
0: Sanomalefa says when his newspaper burned down in the mid-1990s, he almost gave up fighting for media freedom.
2: But I guess uh, it was the public support, really, and uh, the idea that uh, the government was, was trying to hide things from the public. There was a lot of corruption going on, and they didn't want the public to know about it. And then the public also knew about what we were trying to do and they came up with a very, very strong support. So we decided, you know, we have to keep on.
0: Sanomalefa's advice to journalists is to hold fast to the principles of media freedom, no matter what.
2: The moment you are seen by the authorities to be, some like, of uh, budding up to them, not criticising, the moment you relent, you don't criticise, but you see that the criticisms are warranted, you, you are no longer respected by the government, by the leaders doesn't matter, you know, what they do, you know, they can harass you, they can kick you, they put you in jail. You know, they can just continue to criticize. It's the only way you can get freedom.
0: Another long-time journalist with the Samoa Observer is Alan Amu, who says he struggles these days with Samoan cultural protocols in his daily reporting.
2: The thing that we're still trying to work our way around is if you go somewhere to cover a village function or something title, title of Bristol, even a birthday. The village will give reporters food, and it's a very tricky situation. If you don't accept it, that means you're in a hostile relationship with the village, which, of course, we're not. So we're struggling with that.
5: I want to show you the price I bought. Several years ago, I think it was in 2005 or 2004, one.
0: This is Samoa's Prime Minister, Tuilepa Salele Malielinga Oi. He boasts that Samoa is one of the leading nations in the region for press freedom and has won many awards. But the Prime Minister was highly critical this year of a story by TVNZ reporter Barbara Drever on gun smuggling, drugs and gangs in Samoa.
3: Kia ora, good evening. We begin with how criminal gangs are building up a terrifying arsenal. A One News investigation has uncovered the explosive mix in the Pacific island of Samoa. We've
2: found there's a lucrative trade in drugs from New Zealand, and that in turn is helping pay for the smuggling of some heavy weaponry from the United States and China. Pacific correspondent Barbara Drever has just returned from... In
6: Samoa, strong tradition balances on a knife edge alongside a growing guns and drugs culture.
0: Tuilepa Pasai Lele Malielinga Oe says he took exception to her story and the government is suing TVNZ. He alleges much of the story was staged. Barbara Drever rejects the allegations. and speaking at an Amnesty International launch earlier this year, she said the reaction of the local media was indicative of some of the challenges of far Samoa or the Samoan Way.
6: The Samoan government has made a formal complaint to TVNZ, and we're happy to respond to it. So it's now going through the proper process. What has been improper, though, has been the reaction of some of the local Samoan media. In print, I've been called evil, a liar, unprofessional, even sexually frustrated. How do you prove that one? (laughs) (laughs) On one level, I do understand, because it strikes the heart of Far Samoa.
0: Pio Siua, the editor of Newsline, a newspaper based in Apia says media freedom is not clear-cut in the Pacific region.
5: As journalists, you have to be very responsible because it's, it's a very powerful medium. As long as you're accurate, and accuracy is not just about reporting facts, it's about knowing what's behind those facts. I think that's the problem where Barbara had all that problems now, because she didn't read into what's behind it. Her report really was very damning to some more stability in in terms of the power of the village council the chiefs and the matai the matai system that we have which is quite strong and when she went out with that report it reflected very badly on that um, i'm not saying that what she said was wrong obviously there are adamants uh, drugs and gun smuggling here but there are sensitive there are gray areas that that when you're a journalist from China, for example, coming into a not necessarily Samoa, but you have to appreciate the cultural sensitivities.
0: The Samoa government holds strong to the view that the media has an important responsibility to report fairly and transparently at all times and only takes exception when it does not. Politicians in Vanuatu are no different. Len Gorai works at the Daily Post newspaper and has been employed in the media industry there since before the country's independence. He told me about one of the many political pressures he's felt during his
8: career. It was while I was at the Daily Post newspaper that I started experiencing and I remember at the time when one particular minister threatened to send a bulldozer down to crush Daily Post newspaper because he was not happy with the stories that they wrote. That was most problem because the newspaper was telling the truth. And in those years, it was a very educational. It's a new thing for politicians too, when the newspaper reveals the mistakes that they made in those days. they, they just couldn't take it. And this was because of this so-called big man status, you know, in Melanesia, especially, you know, if you are regarded as a leader or a chief, then uh, it's not right that someone should uh, or the media should disclose the wrongs that you have made. Because then it belittles you or makes your people look down on you and it's almost like a crime in those days. And anyway, and so that was a challenge for us.
0: Lingarai says the paper's editor and publisher, Mark Neil jones has been beaten up over the paper's content and the plight of a female colleague who was assaulted while pregnant bothers him. At the Pina conference, she described what happened.
6: On the 2nd of May, having my two children beside me, we were walking down the road so that I could put them off to school. The young man was waiting down the road. He didn't actually accept it what? Um, my editor told him the other day. So he beat me up, kicked me, and used foul language as my children fled for their lives. And this was the worst nightmare I ever had in my whole life. Even worse, I was three months pregnant, and one week after the stress I got from the incident, I was miscarried. I didn't really know whether the crime I committed warranted this punishment.
0: She says there seems to be little comeback for journalists who get beaten up in Vanuatu. She says she hasn't received much support from other local media organisations, the police or even the government, and has concerns about women working in the industry.
6: I call on the Vanuatu government through the police to work together with the media to ensure women have a place in the media industry by making sure that justice prevails in such cases. The last I knew about my case with the police about three weeks ago, was said the assaultant was brought in for questioning, but it took the police almost six months up to this stage. I still do not know if he was even charged, or maybe he would never be charged.
0: So far, the Cook Islands government is the only one which has made any effort to establish greater media freedom, and has become the first nation in the region to introduce an Official Information Act. I'm proud of my people for doing that. The OIA was introduced last year based on the New Zealand version. The Cook Islands Deputy Prime Minister, Sir Teramai Maate, says getting the Act took some time, but he's glad it's there.
5: Having done that, I suddenly realised that we're probably one of the first to get this piece of legislation passed by Parliament, and quite happy with that, because we have an offshore financial industry, and trust companies, that sort of thing, and I think uh, having passed that Act also makes us more transparent in our practices, in our compliance with the uh,
0: OECD. The Office of Ombudsman Janet Markey administers the Act, but she says at present a barrier to its full implementation is poor record-keeping among government departments. My name is Ulamila Kura RAG,
3: My dad's Fijian, my mom's Cook Islander. Uh, I live in the Cook Islands, but I was born and raised and educated in Fiji. I've left mainstream media and I'm now, I coordinate the Pacific Wave Media Network, Women Advancing a Vision of Empowerment.
0: Ulamila Rag welcomes the act and says it's been useful.
3: They say we cut and paste from New Zealand, but we still a Pacific Island country. Our lawmakers worked hard on debating this bill and they enacted it and uh, it is now for media houses to make use of it.
0: And she says the Act has made a difference already with some non-government organisations now using it to get information. But Shona Pitt of the Pitt Media Group, which owns and runs a television station, newspaper and radio station in the Cook Islands, says there was no need for it. It used
7: to be very good before because we were able to speak to people in different departments, government departments but now they of course have stopped that and some departments you've got to talk to the head of the department or the CEO you know and I suppose understandably they things get issued or whatever sent out wrongly but they can make it difficult for you let me just say it that way but otherwise you have to develop a rapport with people. Yeah. I think we're pretty much, as far as access to people, we can pretty much go wherever we want to go. I do think that we have the freedom. We do have the freedom here. Yeah, because media is privatized here. But I know government constantly tries to override us in fact, like they wanted to bring in a media bill. They also wanted to develop their own broadcasting station and their own newspaper, which of course they're going to direct competition with us. But it's not really actually government, it's the person of the day.
0: The editor of the Cook Islands News newspaper, John Woods, says he fears the OIA is a distraction from further legislation that he believes is aimed at controlling local media.
4: This dreaded media
2: bill is back on the table. Same politician who gave us the Official Information Act is now wanting to bring in another layer of legislation to standardise, to licence and control. Our approach is that we'll fight that legislation, we'll fight resistance to disclosure, and our approach is that if we can inform and empower our readers, that will bring about awareness, which will lead to discussion, which will lead to involvement, engagement, in government process.
0: Monica Miller, the co-chair of the Pacific Freedom Forum, says legislation around media freedom only goes so far.
4: I think that it's up to us ourselves, uh, you know, the people that are in the media, to police ourselves. I think that's the best mechanism. I don't believe that it's necessary to have legislation that provides, you know, this is what should be out in the public and what shouldn't be
0: and she says that education and public awareness campaigns using Pacific networks are key to ensuring people are kept informed and to get more support for media freedom.
4: Media freedom is not just for people who work in the media, but it's the individual's right as well to get the information. People outside of the media need to also come in uh, and jump in on the bandwagon when there are issues that uh, would affect media freedom. For example, the churches, they're big forces. I think that's the sort of thing I would like to see
0: happening. And she agrees that cultural sensitivities are another challenge in the region. Using dialogue to enhance media freedom is also seen as key by the Pacific Islands News Association. The advocacy group is based in Fiji and has not been actively vocal about violations to media freedoms in the region. It's Melanesian president, Moses Stevens.
3: Pulling out will only, uh, for me, I think will only cause a lot of problems for our Fijian colleagues there. We, from outside, we can say whatever we want, but we are not facing the situation there. And I think at the government level, I think the Pacific government's talking in dialogue with the Fiji government to speed up a process to come back to democracy. We in the media cannot change government. We're only there to report.
0: Ulamila Rag, based in the Cook Islands, says the internet is starting to make a difference. Having worked and trained in journalism in Fiji, she has friends and former colleagues working under the interim regime's public emergency regulations. but she says the internet offers some reprieve to getting information out into the public eye I think We are lucky
3: that this era, you could wake up in a newsroom in Fiji and um, say good morning to the newsroom in the Cook Islands and asking them how far has this bill gone, because we have internet, it's ICT, it's a real great advantage.
0: In China and other countries known for restricting the media, it's been the evolution of the internet, blogging and the use of mobile phones that has improved media freedom. in the Pacific these developments are still in their early days and while many governments in pacific nations pay lip service to media freedom the reality on the ground can be quite different that program was written and presented by Sara Voitalitu technical production was by Damon Taylor and it was produced by Sue Ingram